0: This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian
1: Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am
0: in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead role. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you.
1: To truly live out. Acts twenty twenty-eight.
0: Here we are again, TJ, back for another episode. And as we jump into this, we have kind of our plan for what we're going to talk about, but we are coming right off of Halloween. And last episode, we talked about different holiday events and things that we do with the church and here we are right after one I know both of our churches did things with Halloween uh you know, I talked about it I've talked about in previous episodes our trunk or treat event which we did again and I think your church did a similar thing right
1: yeah so we had an opportunity to do a trunk or treat um and it was a collaborative effort between the child center that's one of our biggest outreaches so It was kind of a collaborative effort between the parents and the families of the child center and those from the church. So we kind of pulled them together. We made it one event to kind of be more of a community based, obviously, in nature, but it was kind of inside for uh, insular, like the parents and the families that participate and use us for that ministry of the child center came, but then also those in the community. So it was really cool to be able to do that. And that's kind of one of those new things. We talked, you know, kind of a Things and as we start them, I know they're you guys have been doing it for a while, but like we started last year in the midst of the pandemic. And again, I think if you dared to do that during the pandemic, it was still different than this year because um, not everybody was willing or we didn't know what to do or what that looked like or what was okay or can you even hand candy? In fact, this year, right across the road, um, because we're here in the city, I mean, it's just literally across the street, there's a big retaining wall for one of the houses. And I think they still were kind of like in the non-contact part. So they put all the, they taped candy to that retaining wall for people who just said, take one. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think anywhere in between, you're still going to have those things, but what, what is it to be a good steward? How do you continue to work through those things? And then ultimately, I mean, I grew up, we talked about those things of like more like harvest party kind of thing. Uh, Halloween, even doing trunk or treat seemed, um, too close for a lot of people back in the day to just being celebrating something that was evil and they just couldn't they couldn't do that so again yeah purpose why those things how do we help the community what are we using and how can we use that for kingdom work maybe even at the very least get people on campus so that they're familiar with it and um maybe just have them come in contact with some people so we're not just the uh the crazy folks they drive by on a sunday and stuff so
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we did at ours, which we've always kind of had, we have like a line, you know, where people line up before they start through the cars. And, and what we did last year, the first time we ever did it was we had people at the, at the start kind of start gate of the line to just to regulate the flow of people, you know, to keep people separated out and kind of whatever. So this year we didn't have to do that, but we decided to do it anyways, just because it kind of controlled the chaos, right. Of the hundreds of people coming through the cars. So so we did that, set up the line, everybody lined up, but me and my Spanish pastor, the, the two of us stood at the front of the line and to kind of, to be the, you know, the gatekeepers of the stargate. And so we just had, you know, a well, family go through at it at so then, but they'd come up and stop. And so we got a chance to talk to them for even just, you know, five, 10 seconds even. But so we got to meet them, we handed hand out church invite cards and, you know, it was a great Time and I just just for me and him to to stand there and just to and so we literally talked to everybody who went through that way and you know we still had some families that snuck in the other way or didn't go through the you know right way or whatever but um we you know I, I mean we certainly noticed that but uh but like I said for everybody that went through so that that was a huge thing you know which again was the first time that we'd ever well at least that I had ever been in like at that role and so but you know for for and that's you know me and our other only other pastoral staff person uh, you know for us to be able to to greet people and and welcome them that was just a really fun thing for me to do so like I said we got to talk with a lot of people so uh, but yeah again it was different this year than last because of the pandemic stuff which obviously we're still in the pandemic it's not over but it's certainly a lot different than it was a year ago. So, so yeah, again, a very positive event for us. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that we might even see some people Sunday, you know, come from it or, you know, and that was one of the things that I said to our church is we, and we had great engagement. I know I, I told you that before that the the volunteers from our church, the donations of candy, the, you know, people uh, helping with carnival games and food and everything was just off the charts for us. I mean, more interaction than we've had, especially in the last few years, uh, of people volunteering and coming to serve. And so that was tremendous to see that engagement level. Um, and, and they like said, and a lot of people, I think really caught the vision, but, uh, you know, seeing it happen and seeing that, the, seeing the community show up and, in, in hundreds of, and droves of people, which was awesome. Uh, but what I told them I was like, man, we hope that they might come for free candy, but they, that they're going to find, you know, the love of Jesus. And, and that's, you know, that's what we hope happened with that event. And, you know, that again, trunk or treat, we hope was going to be the first step in someone's faith journey, right. And, and coming to Jesus. So, so I don't know, you know, like I said, we just kind of wait and see if that's true or not, but we, we of course have the hope of that. I think that's the hope of any outreach type of event that you do for your community.
1: Yeah. And we had fun. I mean, if there was a, a side note, I mean, my family did a trunk. My wife did, uh, like action heroes and things like that. Um, She was aptly Wonder Woman, Um, but very nice. I did an easy up with one of the rolling TVs. So I had about a 50 inch screen out in the parking lot that also coincidentally had the Seahawk game that was going at the same Mm. time.
0: Shocker. I can't believe you would do that.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) when you can marry passions with ministry, I think that's always a great thing. Yeah. I'm a bit joking, but it was one of those things that obviously, uh, you know, there was people that, again, the the thing is, is, like, we know this as pastors and stuff, but we know that we're humans just like those that we serve, and it was, like, man, how many dads are out there that are, like, oh, man, I gotta take my kid to this thing, but I really want to be watching the game right now, and so, like, ours was a little different that, and I am familiar with your system, because, like, we did that at Cloverdale and some of those things in the past, like, a line, we had, uh, we kind of did, like, so, we had all the cars kind of create a horseshoe around and so they were on the perimeter um and then the inside this open area of it, of the horseshoe would have been the building and so that's where we had like drinks and the tent that was kind of my trunk with like the tv yeah. and stuff um so like people could like watch their kids go through so again outing yourself of i'm sure that there were some kids that took seconds on a few of the trunks but, yeah. Um, because there wasn't that rigid like hey as they progress through um, but it did create an atmosphere where people could fellowship in the middle um, yeah and they didn't have to worry about like where their kid was they could keep an eye on them as they progressed through that horseshoe and just kind of watch from the inside because we only had probably like um, mid-20s to 30s tops uh, 30 tops as cars so it was just easy in our big parking lot to have that many cars know, 25, 30 cars. Um, so yeah, it was really good. It worked out well. I think, you know, having that passion, having some of those people, I think there were some dads that found themselves, uh, participating, uh, and happy for that. So.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, as we say, what we're going to talk about today, which brings in, you mentioned, right. Which is true that even we as pastors, as church leaders, uh, we are humans, as well, and so we do have, you know, emotions and ups and downs and struggles and frustrations uh, and victories and all of those things. We, I mean, we experience that in our own faith journey, uh, in our own communication with God, and and and, and leading. Uh, and the other side of that is, um, is that leadership can be lonely, right? And especially top leadership and especially in potentially uh, an established church, um, in a revitalization situation, which is typically a smaller church and where you might be the only staff or the only full-time staff. I know as far as, I mean, you have like child center, child center employees and stuff, but church wise, you are the lone staff member. Right. And, and again, that's the way it was for me at Oregon trail. When I started as well, um, we did have some, Of course, volunteer people and and some very part time staff members like we had, uh, you know, um, but but even now, as we've grown, like, I mean, I do have other staff, but I am still the only full time employee of the church. Um, And again, we I mean, mean, we can go into that another day because I have a philosophy of why that is. I mean, we are big enough to have a few other full time people, but we don't on purpose. And that's again, that's probably for a different day. Uh, talk about staffing or structures and and those kinds of things, but with that said, is as leaders though we do need to find ways to connect in community, uh, and even in safe ways. And like we say, as again as the pastor of the church, like you said, it's you have to be careful about who you share what with and you know in what context or or whatever that might be. Um, you know, not saying that you need to be deceptive. You shouldn't be deceptive to people or. You know or hide secrets but at the same time uh, we do have to be kind of careful on who we can fight in uh you know what what we present how we find community you know wh- one of the interesting things just to kind of get our our kind of conversation going was when I came to Oregon Trail I followed a pastor his name is Don Bertelsing he was the pastor for just about I think it was 22 years at Oregon Trail before I came and he had led the church to some great growth and and uh you know um lots of wins and 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 then just again church drama and and some staffing stuff and just different things going on in the church where uh, there's just kind of you know a big blow up and it kind of imploded in a lot of ways and so but and which is why Don was stepping out. I mean, he was kind of towards retirement age, was ready to leave. That's when, why they were seeking a new pastor and just a new vision and to kind of rebuild it. But yeah, to say is um, after I came here though, uh, six months into that, I actually hired Don back as my associate pastor for the first couple of years I was here and he was part-time a little bit. And again, and it, I know some people ask her like, how would that even work? And in a lot of contexts, it probably wouldn't, but it worked really well here and some of it was just who, just the guy that Don is and his personality. And again, he was, he was really good at just pointing people back to me and, and in that situation. But at the same time, he's, he did care for, again, the, the, the older people that were keeping the, the, the church open, right. before we came and that were the core of it when I got here. And, and again, I was, we were one of the few young families that was here when we got here. And so, Again, and so he and he had he had pastored those people, right? for twenty years. I mean, they they loved him. and and so that was a huge help to me. But and again, that's probably another episode as well. But the reason I bring it up is because I remember him even just watching me lead and the way that we connected with families and got into the community and when families come, and you know how we we hung out and had people over for dinner. and to our house, it got all of these things. We connected with the new and old people, and the thing that he said, he was like, it was very interesting because he said, him growing up through seminary, through his leadership training, whatever, he was specifically told to not be friends with people in his congregation, like they were taught to keep this separation. And he said the problem with that was that his family suffered in with lack of community, even as he served. And, and, and so again, he he noticed that, that that change right very quickly on the way that I led and the way that my family was involved compared to the way that he had led and the way his family wasn't involved, and again purposely so in some different things. And so, um, and I'll tell you is again we as we built community in our life, like that's part of how the church built right was us connecting with people you know in our neighborhood and through our my kids' sports and through you know, different things, uh, again, just our friends started coming to the church. And so, um, but again, we did not distance ourselves necessarily. And now, again, like I said, we were careful right on, on, you know, who we had accountability partners, those kinds of things. But, um, but we found, you know, again, f- lots of friends right in, in the church. And again, that was one of the hard, hardest things for us to leave Cloverdale. Cause we had been there a long time. We had really close friends there. And, you know, I mean, people that our, our kids had grown up with and, you know, families that we would did camping trips with and kind of all kinds of things, even at that Cloverdale context. And so stepping out, that was what part of what felt so foreign when we came to Oregon Trail was because we, we were leaving that behind in a lot of ways.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I get that. And we weren't there obviously as long. We can share that same sentiment. We were there four years, but I think, um, even in that context, we grew and Cloverdale grew again in that age group because there was, I mean, your, your kids are obviously older than my kids with the exception of the new addition of Claire, but, um, there was, you know, we'd gone, when we came on the staff there, there was, uh, you know, we'd lost the children's pastor and stuff as well. So that rebuilding some of those things in community, I, I get that. I think that makes sense. Um, because you're living life together. And anytime I've seen a church uh, modeled well is they have that anchoring point to where they're able to live life um, with, you know, Jesus being the subject, I guess, if, if you're looking at yeah. phrase but like they can work together and there's a relational value and you're walking through the same thing. So it's, it's authentic. It's not like, you know, I I'm out of touch. I don't know what it's like to have a teenager or those things. So um, I think that that's super important. I think we should, you know, obviously have those connectivity pieces um shout out to to db uh don burleson that's that's a guy as you said yeah you hit him. and then when i was at uh cloverdale he had come over to help on the staff and i think what you said was apt the scenario you uh kind of just defined takes a unique person and one that it's not about them and i mean let's be honest as we are taking on these roles of revitalization and you're being that it's tough. Sometimes it's an identity of being the lead guy and knowing and having to make those decisions. And part of that might've been obviously from where Don was at, like you just described that he was kind of tired in the sense of he needed that, that break. And so that was very easy for him. And probably even from a compassionate level, because he'd bumped up against them that he wanted to help. And so again, I don't think your scenario maybe plays itself out in every situation but um with someone like don who has those qualities that knows it's not about him in that regard uh yeah i'm glad that you had that i'm glad that i had a chance to again because he's more he loves that element of still teaching and having that community so like man i i i'd be honest like you said you just described i'm the only one really on our staff we have some part-time people that help with like you know, just worship on, on the weekends and stuff like that. But, um, boy, what I wouldn't give for a, a Don Bertelson to, to wind up, a uh, like, as he's helped with the joy group or Sunday school teaching or one of those things. So, uh, yeah. someday again, that would be another story, but yeah, shout out to the, uh, <laughs> to, to DB. But, uh, anyhow, I think, you know, those things are really important and connecting and understanding, I think for us, that's the same thing, and we've been, experienced some of that too. Is in an established church, some of those things is uh, the younger piece, and I think you know that's been hard for us to to understand. What does that look like? What is that uh, as far as getting them connected, getting them um, engaged, and so like we just let in with that uh, event that we had our weakest part is some of those young families. Now, some of those young families that bought into Trunk or Treat that partnered with us, some of them go to other local churches. Um, and so whether that's like St. Catherine's, the Catholic Church that's just up the road, and a couple others, but um, yeah, making it an outreach, trying to live that life uh, together because we're in community. So yeah, I think those are all great points.
0: So, so again, so we've addressed the first one, right? One of the first places you find community is within your church. And so again, finally, again, I, at least I found, I don't know any other way to minister to people really other than relationally. I mean, that's just kind of who I am and that's what we've always done. And that's how we did youth ministry. That's the way that we've led Oregon trail. And so again, just that, you know, like I said, and I don't know if it's old school or whatever it is, but like I said, the way that that Don described that, you know, that they were taught to be a pastor, you know, and to lead people. And again, and I would say like him and and even just that generation of pastors, like they were some of the most caring pastors as far as pastoral care and, you know, hospital visits and home visits and those kinds of things. Again, stuff that we kind of don't do anymore. I don't know about you, but, you know, kind of in that context, like our culture has just changed dramatically. So again, I, I don't want to say that they um again didn't care for the people because i think they absolutely did it was just a different way right where um you know again different style i guess whether as our culture has changed or whatever but you know um but they were taught to not be friends right specifically with their congregational members uh just to keep them at a safe distance and i i have no idea what a safe distance is i can't imagine you know ministering from a safe distance that's that just feels so crazy to me but um but I, I
1: think that when you talk about the relational value, I think that that uh, the pivot in that is it's very difficult, like you said, just being transparent. But I think that the biggest obstacle why I'm, I'm in the same line of thought is if you are elevated, you will see those moments where, um, you know, like, say, uh, televangelists or egos or any of those kind of things, if you're above others, you can also feed into that, like, oh, well, the pastor, the pastor does this, they, and you become larger. And again, reminding ourselves that, you know, about Jesus and why we're serving and Jesus himself came to serve, not to be served. And so like, when you look at those pieces in a relational value, you see that and it doesn't allow you to get to the ivory tower. So that one is a checks and balance element for me. Yeah, And um, the other piece is, like, you really have to, like, you just want to be able to connect with the people in a in a meaningful way. Because I think if you, if you don't, like, for me, like, in the city of Seattle, if I just came out and said, here's how you're supposed to look, and us being leaders, like you said, in the leadership role, if we are the poster child, if someone comes in from, like, say, this event we had this weekend, and they look at it, and their first impression is, Oh, here's this guy, the pastor, and he does this, this, and this, and he looks like this. That's obviously not me. So I must not be able to fit this role. And I can't be a faith believer because I'm not a Christian because I can't do those things. And so, like, I think intentionally, again, like, I'm not trying to go to another extreme, water myself down to be a heathen. I understand the calling and all those things that I have. But at the same time, if people, if you're going to be evangelistic in nature, and like they can't see themselves at least you drawing the parallel and i'm not saying that we have to be like worldly i'm just saying if they can't see you as a person or see how their story can connect to the god that you're talking about like how are you going to reach them and so like i think those are some of the biggest factors so the checks and balance to know who we are and our role and who we serve and then the second is man, knowing that if you want to get people in the door and if you bring them in and the whole vibe is, uh, you have to act this way. You have to do these things. You have to No, really <laughs> that, that new covenant, we live on this side of the cross and what Christ did on that made that is that unwarranted grace. Now we do have moral standards and some non-negotiables that we have, but at the same time, you know, come as you are. I mean, you know, like I think of Billy Graham, it's not like, don't go, you know, like our whole message isn't like, hey, thank you for coming to the trunk or treat today. If you would just go and scrub your life and get it all better in about two months and then come back to us, we'd really appreciate that. It just doesn't work just as much as like in Seattle, you know, like I've, you know, I'm wearing the Mariners uh, thing today. So like I went down to a Mariners game and I'm glad my calling isn't to preach hellfire and brimstone. Like the guy that's always down by the Griffey uh, yeah. statue. Like he is just yelling at people like you're burning in hell, you're an abomination and you're doing these things. And like, I get that. And I'm not trying to water down his ministry. And I'm just, like I said, I'm glad that God didn't call me to that, but it is tough just being on the other side and hearing people as you're walking in line and hearing them snicker about like, that guy's an idiot and those things. And like, I'm praying for the guy because I know like, man, they need to hear, um, truth but i don't know how well any of us uh, as we reach out in community like any group and this is outside of church like we both play golf but if like if i said you and i were looking for two more guys for a foursome, and we're like hey you're an absolute idiot you suck you're terrible you're all these things hey by the way would you like to be a part of our team like i just don't know again in a relational value to get back to that whole thing is like how many people are going to sign up for that yeah i want to be a part of those guys
0: yeah exactly so Yeah. Yeah. Which, which just is a great segue to say, so one, you know, yes, we can find community within our church family, right. And within the church that God's called us, the other places that truly find community, I guess, to not be redundant, but in your community, right. Like, I mean, in your neighborhood in around and and, you know, like like you said, you mentioned golf. That's one of the reasons I I purposely play men's league golf at, at the course where I'm at, uh, where my membership is at, because, um, because I don't want to completely surround myself. And that would be very easy to do as a pastor, right. To completely insulate my life with just being completely surrounded by Christian people. And, and like you said, to evangelize, right. And to see community, to reach the community that God's put your church in, you need to also be in it. You need to know who those people are, right. Because community is still about people and, and, and the gospel is about people. And so, and that is kind of as a relational issue. So Again, I think in that finding community in places, and, and I think the other side of that is finding that one of the things too I love about uh, my men's league golf team uh, is that, that I'm not the leader, and that's that's it's a release for me to go. I mean, play a game that I love that I'm I'm okay at some days, right? To go to be surrounded by people who aren't believers, right? And and it kind of shows me, reminds me of what the world's like and and what our mission is. But also the other side of that is it's also um, kind of therapeutic for me to go and not be in charge. Right? And, and, you know, that's I mean, that, that's one of the things just as a leader, as a pastor, like so many times, like you're just you're always you always in charge of stuff. And and so, again, there's there's some real refreshing that can come in that community of, you know, of, of even with people who might not even know that I'm a pastor. Right. And, and that's, you know, I've had those, some of those different experiences. Now, I, I mean, most of the people in men's league and at the course out at Purple Sage, the course I play at, most of them know I'm a pastor. Right. But at the same time, like I don't go there, you know, to, uh, to convert them, you know, and like, and, and again, and they know that, you know, i um, but at the same time, they do know they can talk to me if they want to, right, or have spiritual questions or whatever. And some of them have, right. But, but it's not, that's not my purpose in going there. But it is my purpose is to, to find community in our community. And that's just one example, right? I mean, there's other things, you know, I mentioned to you before we started talking about one of the other ways was just with my kids and in the phase they were in, in their middle school, you know, late elementary, middle school, high school years, we found a lot of community around their sports teams. Right. right? And, you know, getting to meet other families, um, even as I coached, their football teams. And I've, I've, I've coached different things that they've been involved in. Like I said, any, and that's another arena for me to not be pastor Brian, but to be coach Brian, right. Or parent Brian. I mean, and again, for them to not know that. And, and because we know, right. I mean, the conversation always changes when they know you're a pastor. And so, you know, again, we found that, just great community things the other side of it right again my wife is an educator she's in the public schools and so we found it also community right in the school systems and again my kids are all in public school and again that's probably a different conversation of whether whether your kids should be or not or you know whatever and and just to say that my position is you need to do what god leads you to do with your family but god's led our family to be in public school and so that's that's where they're at and we found community in that as well um and you know for whether it's pto or you know, different fundraising things or whatever it is that we do through the school systems too. Like we, I mean, we've engaged into that.
1: Yeah. And I think those, those passion areas, I mean, you know, really that's kind of, again, um, not like, I don't know why we keep it a secret, but it's like, you have this background in uh, youth, as you said, and it's kind of like, we know this as ministers and as people that are trying to be relational with people, but it's not our angle but it's like when you love on what other people love on or their value you create an instant bond with them so like you as a youth pastor and those people that you would created some of those bonds with at Cloverdale, they knew like man brian loves my kid and so at the same time i appreciate that and so oftentimes as well like you know, if you look at churches over the course of being in the community, if they have a dynamic youth group um, and stuff where people are coming in, you can also correlate and look back sometimes at some of the growth in the church, because there's going to be things where parents are going to like, why is my kid acting different? What's going on over there? Like, I want to go check this out. And if you love on what they love on, and, and and it could be on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, we talked about DB and and those things of being a joy group for those that don't know it's called just older youth another acronym to throw at you but it's like a 55 plus group but that's the same thing if you are loving on a parent that doesn't have community especially like during this COVID time and stuff like that um, their adult kids may want to come and say hey why are they loving on my parents why are they helping And, and they may be intrigued as well and so this isn't an angle or an objective. I'm just saying in some of these things where you have those strengths, where you have those passions and where people engage, um, you know, at this point there's also an equippedness. Like, so we talked about staffing or a key layperson that just is passionate about bringing this group together. Um, you can also start to see some of those growth and some of those things taking place. And not from the standpoints of, I mean, I think one of the things I went through when we went through a training called C4, it's during this time we've had to reestablish a scorecard. So historically, a scorecard for churches always was like, how many people do you have? What is your tithing like? How many people were baptized? Like, It was all numerically based oftentimes and so like i think that's been recalibrated when you know people are seeing a fraction of the church that used to come on any given sunday before that numbers might be down but a better rubric or scorecard would be like what is our impact in the community like if we cease to exist would they notice that and so it doesn't matter how many cars we have in the parking lot if we are being the hands and feet of christ and in that part, as we've been working through our church here, we've been going through um, Luke 15, and you're talking about Jesus, they're asking him, why, you know, the Pharisees are asked, why are you hanging out with these sinners, right? The tax collectors, these sinners, and those things, again, like, why are you engaging with community in this way? Like, we're more important. And um, so he gives the, the three stories that we're familiar with, right? The first one is the sheep, the 99 uh, that are, are in the fold. And the one that is lost. And so again, it says, Jesus says that heaven throws a party for that one that's lost. So part of community is us living out the great commission, discipleship, all of those things. So this is something that should be innately in us. Some of us are going to be more vocal about that. We have different giftings. I get that. But then we transition onto the one that's a lost coin. Just because we're in the house and we might be lost, but we, we know it's in the house there still might be something like that with our core group or our families or those things. So again, makes the point of community inside of the church that might still be lost and we still need to reach them. And then the last one is the prodigal son is knowing that, man, as, as we go out and, and we want to see what the world has to offer, but yet we engage with all those things, but we're still empty, um, knowing truth and that there's a, a loving father that um, desires to have relationship and even in that, we know the other story is not just the son that went away. It's the son that's bitter that was there that felt like he was doing everything right and then gets kind of um, the short end of the stick as he feels like, man, here was a squanderer that went and blew everything. And I want to go probably punch him in his face. But dad loves him and he's like showering him with great love and, and it's formed. So I think, you know, when you lock, when you talk about community, even in those three short stories in Luke 15, you have one that's outside of your community or that's there like as a sheep outside of the pen or or those things. Um, Then you have those that are in your house that you can reach community wise. And then, um, you know, I think that those things all apply, but how do you do that? How are you loving on people? How are you engaging with them? And that's not to, I think what Jesus also says is, He still calls them all lost, meaning that there's sin in that. So he's not like, I just only go after the lost people. I'm not paying attention to those that are saved. Um, But I think, man, community is, you have to empower and you have to invite those. So like when you said you love that you get buy-in from your people for these events to do that, I think that's the best case scenario because they're getting to put their faith into action. It's the application piece of that. And they're living it out and they're putting it into play. Um, so yeah, I love that, but I mean, I guess I'm stewing through that as we are continuing in in the series we're on.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think, but that also brings in again, other places that you can serve your community. Like I said, we found that in another place that I just started doing again, as my, as my kids get older and like I said, we're kind of in this weird middle part where, you know, I have like. Older teenagers and then a three year old. So again, we don't have anybody in like community sports right now because they're all in like school sports, right? So, anyways, that's to say, like one of the things I felt God lead me to do was um I started serving this last year on on our local chamber of commerce sport. Right. And again, it just got me in, met I'm meeting a whole new circle of people, right? Kind of in the business community and kind of doing that. And like, and again, you think, well, well, but that has nothing to do with the church. And I was like, Well, technically it doesn't, right? But but I am learning a ton about my community around our church, right. And the business owners in that community and, and, and those different things, because it is absolutely a part of the mission that God's called me to. And so, you know, it is an extension, right. Of, of what our church is doing, uh, for that. And again, and I know that you're involved in some different kind of civic or community organizations and things like that as well. And so I think that's another place to find community or for you to, again, to get involved, into things, even if you don't have kids. I mean, there are places you can find that. And, and again, you know, just on these volunteer boards or, or different organizations and things like that. So, all right. So at, just in respect to time, I want to move on. So we talked about kind of finding community within your church, family, um, congregation, wherever you're at. We've talked about even just art, finding community in your actual community, right? Around your church or where you live, those kinds of things. Now, the other thing, what about the pastoral community? And I think that's another thing that we need to look at and to say, because we said, right, like, hey, there are some things I can't talk to, you know, my board chairman about, or there's some things that I can't, you know, just uh, our neighbors that come to our church. Like uh, there's things I can't, and even things that they might not even understand, right, about a leader's life or a pastor's life or, or you know, whatever it might be. And, and so uh, that's the other thing, right, is you can find it among other pastors, other spiritual leaders in your community, Um, now again, in a larger church, and like I said, we both served, like Cloverdale was a larger church, had a larger staff. And so I found some of that community just within the staff of our church. Right. And now again, that's not true, probably in a, in a revitalization, established church type situation, as we already talked about, if you're, especially if you're the only person. So again, how can you find that?
1: Yeah. So I would say, like you said, um, one of those for me is, they have a local area uh, pastor so and where I'm at it's the North Seattle pastors. And they meet once a month um, intentionally to have an engagement piece and it's spearheaded by one person but he builds community and there's a value at so like, as we go through things, as we were going through the social injustice, we'd invite a speaker or something to come to encourage us. Or maybe since we're all working through these same things, how do you have that? But I think that's important because one of the things that Satan has as a tool is um, isolation. And Absolutely. so, like, I think, you know, that's what's been hard about COVID and those things are people that struggle with depression. It's very easy to just slip into the, oh, well, I'm supposed to be isolated. And I mean, I think community is the opposite of that, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we're talking about today. And so I think when you have those moments, um, so I have to engage with that. I have to, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, that's my piece of saying, you know, jesus will come 999 steps to go back to that piece of finding the sheep if we will take that one to repent it takes an action on our half and so finding and seeking that out and trying to find ways to connect with people and it doesn't have to be necessarily um your denomination or something that you're part of it could be a different group of pastors or things um as long as you're biblically sound right but um like as long as you're engaging with that because you're right there are some things that people don't understand context what it's like to be in ministry um at times if they've never seen that before uh as well as if you're a first time pastor and you're coming into a revitalization i think that one of the lies that could be told and i know that i suffered from this was um man if you don't have all the answers um maybe they think that you're a fraud or you're not supposed to be in leadership maybe we got this wrong or whatever that case may be is uh, you know, that those things will cross your mind and spoiler alert, like nobody has all the answers, um, myself included.
0: Amen. So, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I know I don't so. We can
1: walk past that part already, but like, I think again, just not knowing that, um, where to find that where to be transparent, because again, even in a, if you boiled it down to like, say a situation where people are more used to seeing that, if, you're listening and you're a lay person or those things, you can get more intimate if we've been in a small group and we kind of understand that dynamic. Like we've been together, we've lived life, we kind of understand those things. You open up more than you would with just a normal person. But oftentimes you don't show up to a small group and just like vomit all over <laughs> people right away. Like, here's all the stuff that I went through. And so I think knowing when, but not allowing Satan to have the foothold to say, Oh yeah, I don't share. So I think that's a balance that we have to be uh, cognizant of. But like you said, churches, uh, other pastors in your area, Church of God, hopefully, you know, we have things like regional pastors as well. Um, Hopefully some of those are resources that you could utilize to engage um, and just find find ways to plug in. Because, man, when you're in the midst of a storm, you need another help sometimes with your compass to make sure it's... True North is still where God is leading you.
0: Yeah. You know, I, again, as you say that, again, I have, um, there's a group of pastors in Caldwell, which is, you know, one of the communities that we primarily minister to. Um, and, and I've, I've been going to that one again for that meeting. And we meet once a week, which everybody doesn't make it every week, but we do it, you know, once a week to just stay consistent. And, and that, and I've found just great comfort and help and encouragement from that group. And again, and that, that group is very interdenominational. I mean, thinking about the ones that are regularly there, I mean, we have from free Methodist and Presbyterian and church of Christ and church of God. Cause I'm there. Right. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, all kinds of these different, the- lots of theological spectrum differences and mainline denominations and, de- you know, community churches. I mean, we're kind of all represented there. Uh, but, but that's been turned into an awesome thing. And I think, I remember when I came out to Oregon trail, again, there wasn't anything even in Middleton and like, and I started it right with our pastors. And so now again, we have a regular text group between all the pastors in Middleton. And, and again, we, we, uh, we've had seasons where we met together for prayer and, meetings consistently and where then they didn't happen. And like I said, right now we're not meeting consistently, but yet we still text each other and encourage each other to, Hey man, I'm praying for you. Like, you know, again, I, just this last Saturday I got a text from one of the other Middleton pastors like, Hey, just praying for you guys, kill it tomorrow. Like, you know, and and so, which is just awesome to find that. And, you know, and to say that coming out of youth ministry, I, I didn't realize how good youth workers were at like at community and at, you know, the just networking together. And I found that and, and, you know, whether it's through conferences or through different things in the youth ministry community. And that was one of the things that was shocking, most shocking to me moving from youth ministry into like the lead pastor role and into that world of lead pastors and senior pastors was, it was so different. And I felt like the youth workers like wanted to collaborate and be together uh, and, you know, work together. We kind of all knew that we were on the same team. And yeah, I found just this, this horrible spirit of like competition and like territorialism and kind of all this just weirdness within lead pastors and senior pastors. And, and so like, so I I mean, so I just tried to create something different. And so, so I'd say, if you don't have that, um, then start it, right? Like, I mean, you know, re- just call a couple other churches in your community and just say, Hey, like, I, I'm, you know, do you, do you want to pray together once a month, you know, and just, Hey, we're on the same team. You know, we, we all believe Jesus is, is the Messiah. So, you know, and I mean, and we're ministering, like I said, we're ministering in the same community. Can we help each other understand more of what's going on or, you know, whatever. So, so yeah, I, I'd say definitely like seek that out. If you don't have that. And then, and um, so we talked about within your church, you know, your, our community, pastoral community, like I said, even if you don't have it locally, I mean, and I kind of hesitate to say, but like, there are some like social media groups and, you know, different things you can get on. Sometimes those again, turn toxic really fast. So that's why I kind of hesitate to say that, but, but you can find some community and pastoral community and different things. And whether it's, you know, through social media. Um, but again, I think, but be careful. I wouldn't spend, I don't know. That's just, that's just my, my own experience maybe, but, um, you know, that, but I think the other side of that is then how do you find just even your own personal accountability? And I think that's kind of where you find that is that your inner circle of people that you truly can bear your soul to, you know, and I think it's really important that you have those people that are trusted and those might be in, in any of these circles, right? Again, just have to have those core central people that you can come to right when you're struggling. And uh, that again, you can call them and be like, man, it's just a rough day. Like I just need to talk to somebody, you know, and again, for, again, if you're married, hopefully that's your spouse. Hopefully your you know, your marriage is, is, healthy enough that you can do that with your spouse. I mean, I know, I, again, I know I can with Maureen, I mean, and there's times, right. And we have that for each other, but then, but also I have, you know, other people in my life, right. that we come to that, um, you know, we hope maybe you even find some community, even just through this podcast, right. Just hearing our stories. And, and again, I know we found community with each other, just getting on and You know, again, we don't record it always, which is probably a good thing. But, you know, we get on and kind of touch base with each other and where we're at, even though we're states away. So, you know, again, just even you got pastor friends somewhere, like jump on a Zoom call, right, for no other reason than just to find community, you know, and just to be encouraged. Yeah.
1: And I would say like one that we're a part of that's more nationally as well, it's tougher to engage all the time, like when you're in need, because we all like know when, We've been talking about uh, in another group that I'm a part of kind of the landscape of life and it has like these different phases of um, erosion and eruption and excavation and earthquake and all these things like uh, if an earthquake happened just something that's catastrophic it's quick, you want to be able to like have help and if we were looking at resources that could be like a red cross kind of moment and so it's nice to have people boots on the ground so to speak but you and i are part of another group that's more nationally based to get back to that uh the global strategy Roundtable. and so you know to have people nationally again sometimes context the things don't align because we're states away um, but the spirit or the intent behind what they did uh, still might apply to us. We just need to find a way to use that in our own. And so, I mean, I think it's good whenever I have things. Um, I actually this past week uh, had a conversation with who we had as our guest with Marcus Archer, um, who's in Mississippi, which is like you know the south to the very tip of the Pacific Northwest. That's like you know a different world in, in a lot of sense. Yeah. world But being able to just have those processes. I describe it as having you know, cabinet people, those that love you um, in your community that you can share things with, uh, that will tell you the truth regardless, not just a bunch of yes men as well. So surrounding yourself with a community that would say, TJ, uh, they might stand opposed to you. Like, I don't know if that's a great idea, but you know what? You know that I love you and I'll support you in it. I'm not convinced that's the greatest idea. Um, and so you can process those things. I think if you always just have people that are, again, that has the potential to have some of those ivory tower things of like, oh, yeah, whatever you say, I just see that always sometimes play itself out in a way that um, isn't always easy to come back from. So,
0: yeah. What absolutely. that's worth.
1: Yeah. There, there's, there's other opportunities. So,
0: very good. So, again, hopefully you're finding community, you're building community. Uh, like you said, if you're not, again, overarching, right? is just, but you have to put in effort in order to do that. And, and again, everything we've talked about today is you have to intentionally do. It's not gonna happen, you know, just happen for you. You need to put in effort and to show up, right? To make the phone call, to make the ask, right? Whatever that would be and create that community around you. But I'd tell you, it's again, not always simple and easy, but it is worth the effort. And that's one of the things that just keeps us moving forward uh, in our in our roles, right? And in fulfilling everything that God's called us to do. Acts 2028. 20, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 20, podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at acts2028podcast or send us an email at acts2028podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 20, as we serve in the established church.